You are listening to the Fantasy Alarm Fantasy Football Podcast. What is going on, FA Nation? My name is Justin Fensterman, along with John and Pemba, and this is the Fantasy Alarm Fantasy Football Podcast, getting you ready for week three of the fantasy football season. And John, as we're looking at these games here for week three, kind of starting with a bit of a stinker here, one that had a total of 40 when the line opened, now down to 38 and a half, the Thursday night football game between the Steelers and the Browns. What are you thinking of this one? Is it going to be a snooze fest? Yeah, after a couple of good primetime games to start the season, we're finally hitting the Thursday doldrums, I think, here, Fensty. Uh, maybe on paper to start the year, this one was supposed to look pretty good. Uh, you know, after the offseason that Cleveland had, but obviously now uh, the suspension of Deshaun Watson. Uh, we have Jacoby Brissett as the quarterback for Cleveland. Uh, Mitch Trubisky out there quarterbacking Pittsburgh. That offense looks like trash. Uh, that's why the point total is low here, 38 and a half. Cleveland is a three and a half point favorite. Uh, this is going to be a defensive matchup here. I still like Pittsburgh's defense. They have a really, really good secondary. But what they're susceptible to is the running game. And they're up against the wrong team for that, right? Uh, Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, uh, two-headed attack from Cleveland. Uh, I'm expecting them just to run the football heavy in this matchup, play off that run, maybe get Amari Cooper open a little bit, but I don't see them willing to throw in to this Pittsburgh secondary. The one thing going for Cleveland here is that obviously TJ Watt being out of that Pittsburgh defense on the defensive line creating havoc with his pass rush uh, isn't going to obviously be available for this game. So I'm looking for a lot of Cleveland. I think it's going to even go under the 38 and a half. It's going to be a snoozer here. Uh, but give me the running backs for Cleveland. For Pittsburgh, I don't really know where I want to go. I said maybe Pat Fryermuth, the way he's been getting targeted in this offense, uh, could be an interesting safety blanket for Mitch Trubisky here. Uh, but Najee Harris hasn't been able to get anything going so far. I think he's still, you know, banged up a little bit with that ankle foot injury that he's dealing with. Deontay Johnson gets a ton of targets, but this obviously isn't an easy secondary to throw into against Cleveland, unless you're Joe Flacco, apparently. Uh, you know, but outside of that, this game doesn't feel like one for the fantasy folks here. I'll say this, when it comes to half PPR, Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, both in the top eight for running back production thus far in the young fantasy football season. Here's the thing, John, I know that some of the Steelers, there have been comments regarding rookie George Pickens and Chase Claypool. I don't know how you trust either player. They do the same thing, man. They're both deep threats there. And yeah, you got to get to Pickens more. You got to get to Claypool more too. Both yeah. need to be targeted more. And I feel like you're just dealing with hot air when it comes to both of these players if you rely on them. Yeah, both guys definitely big downfield threats. I do like how they utilize Claypool occasionally in the running game. You know, uh, week one, they gave him six carries. Most of them were on, you know, jet sweeps or end arounds. Um, you know, but he is a guy that has, has a multi-touchdown rushing game in his career during his rookie season. Uh, utilizing him in that offense, getting, a di you know, getting different looks for defenses they have to deal with. But ultimately, it comes down to the quarterback play. I was a little bit bullish that maybe uh, Trubisky this season be able to get it together after sitting behind Josh Allen for a year uh, in this Mike Tomlin system, you know, a, a system that has been together for a long time. But, you know, it doesn't look good. They need to get the rookie in there and, and kind of just sink or swim with him. At least he's got a bigger arm, uh, and maybe they can get that offense kicking. Let's get to the next game here with the Saints and the Panthers. Another one that could be on the slower side when it comes to pace, especially when the Saints are involved. When it comes down to this game, the question is how healthy will Alvin Kamara be? But I'll say this, J.I., when it comes down to Michael Thomas, what a good start back for the season for can't guard Mike. Yeah, listen, we haven't had that big explosive yardage game yet, but two touchdowns obviously in week one. Uh, last week, another solid little week for him. 
you know, Jameis Winston dealing with the four back fractures, I think, is a, is a little bit more concerning as well. He was able to play through it. Uh, Alvin Kamara obviously is a big key to that offense. He just does, you know, his versatility there uh, makes him an appealing start for this offense against Carolina. Carolina, though, like, is are they going to start utilizing Christian McCaffrey more? You know, four catches in each of the first two games, 10 total targets, but he needs to have a much higher volume of involvement in the offense here. Go back to the Randy ratio at Minnesota way back in the day, right? Like, Randy Moss needs X amount of targets for the Minnesota Vikings to win football games. That should be the path that Christian McCaffrey is on here. Maybe Baker Mayfield's so bad he's able to ruin Christian McCaffrey as well. Yeah, absolutely there. And when it comes to the Saints too, so far when it with the Saints receivers, you've got three of them over 100 yards receiving, like we said with Michael Thomas, Jarvis Landry, and then even rookie Chris Olave as well. So he's slinging the ball around. We'll have to see if he could do so against Carolina with this 40 and a half total between the two, the score. Let's see if the over has a shot at hitting another game. That'll be interesting. And this is almost when it comes to the bears, it's a show me something game when it comes to Justin Fields and any of the pass catchers, John, as they're going up against the Houston Texans, there's no such thing as a sure thing, but for those like yours truly that are giving Cole Komet one last chance that are giving Darnell Mooney, maybe only two more chances this is that show me game in Houston versus Chicago. Yeah, listen, you're going to face a Houston defense that actually looked kind of decent against Denver last week. Uh, but you know, after the, after how poorly that Chicago offense looked passing the football last week, I mean, David Montgomery had a great game. Justin Fields ran for a touchdown against Green Bay. Uh, I think they have to open this offense up a little bit. I have to feel like uh, Luke Getzey's under the under the microscope here after two weeks of poor offensive play calling. Uh, I think we're going to see Mooney, Komet maybe even be more involved in this game. But another another game total here, Fancy. Three games in a row. Uh, 40 and a half for under point spread. Not great for fantasy. They got to run more plays. Yes, you can give the Bears that excuse from the weather issues in week one. What about week two, though? More plays, more passing from Justin Fields. Let's see this thing happen. Let's talk about the Chiefs and the Colts here, John. Because, I mean, looking at this very quickly from a wagering standpoint, it almost seems like based off what you've seen from both teams that the Chiefs should be able to cover a five and a half point spread. But the Colts, are they due at this point here? Michael Pittman, Alec Pierce, both practicing good signs. Do you think that the Colts can stun Kansas City? Uh, I think obviously having guys like Pittman back in the lineup does change the look of that offense a little bit. I mean, let's be real. Jacksonville last week didn't really have to focus in on anybody. You know, they just had to stop Jonathan Taylor. Uh, you know, Ashton Doolin, I'm glad he had a nice little game for himself, but you know, what's, what's Ashton Doolin, right? So, uh, you know, Paris Campbell had a goose egg. Granson didn't really do much in that offense. They were so one dimensional. The defense knew how to stop them. Getting Pittman back obviously makes defenses focus more on the passing game. They can play off the running game a little bit more here. Uh, but ultimately, yeah, I think Kansas City comes in here and has a game. Travis Kelsey's still, uh, you know, in, in tough matchups going out there and just dominating, uh, you know, his spot there. You know, they still have Juju, MVS. I know that Miko Hardman's been limited. Maybe this is the first time we get to see Sky Moore. Uh, Clyde Edwards Hilaire has been involved. So, yeah, it feels like Patrick Mahomes is just enough to get this team over the top. Cold side of things, again, Pittman's interesting against Kansas City. Um, you know, we saw, obviously, the impact that Mike Williams was able to have last week against Kansas City. Uh, you know, maybe Pittman's able to repeat some of that. But, John, it's very difficult outside of, I mean, Travis Kelsey, and he didn't have the best game in week two, but are they just spreading the ball around too much that it's becoming harder and harder to trust the receivers in Kansas City? 
Uh, yeah, I think, you know, the, I think the bigger issue is that we have um, Juju's been banged up a little bit, right? I, I think when Juju gets open, uh, you know, he's he's going to be that high target guy. You know, last week was a tough defensive matchup, right? You know, J.C. Jackson was out there for, for uh, Los Angeles. He's one of the best defensive cornerbacks in football. Uh, and he just shut down, he shut down Juju. That's going to happen, right? You face these lockdown defenses with really great secondaries, uh, great cornerbacks, and, you know, they get, those guys don't get anything going for them. Look what Justin Jefferson had to deal with Darius Slay last week, right? So it doesn't matter how good you are. Sometimes there's just elite cornerbacks out there. Uh, J.C. Jackson, we saw a lot of him in New England. He was a lockdown guy. He locked up Juju here. So, you know, I'm looking for about now. Colts have a really good secondary as well. They got more than they have Gilmore. So maybe maybe this is a spot where that happens uh, and they do slow down uh, Kansas City a bit. But, you know, I'd be willing to bet more money on Juju being consistent week out, week in than trusting an MVS or trusting a Miko Hardman or whatever. The game of the week, at least in my eyes, John, I am so excited for this game. I hope it doesn't let down the Buffalo Bills against the Miami Dolphins. Even if the Bills dominate, I wonder if the Dolphins will be able to do what they did last week against Baltimore in that fourth quarter. They've got the weapons to do so here. Wow, that high total of 52 and a half. What do you think, John? You think there's a little bit of a trap for those that put a hefty wager when it comes to fantasy or even betting on Tua being able to succeed against this very tough Buffalo Bills defense. I mean, that's where I don't know. I don't, I don't know what to expect out of either of these two teams. Buffalo has looked unstoppable. They came into the season as a Super Bowl favorites. They went into Los Angeles as Super Bowl champions in week one and just knocked them around, right? And then they mercy rule Tennessee in week two, essentially. Uh, now they go into Miami. Miami didn't have a great week one against New England. They went in and shocked everybody against Baltimore, uh, you know, just scoring bunches of points in the second half of that game. You know, what is the real version of the Miami Dolphins is something that we have to wonder. I think Buffalo, I'm going to give the edge to Buffalo. Obviously, Vegas is doing the same, making them a six and a half point road uh, favorite here. Uh, if Tua comes out and Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle put up a good performance against Buffalo, you know, you got to kind of look out now because Miami has a good defense. And if that offense really is going to start clicking, uh, it's going to be a pretty impressive race at the top of the AFC East and maybe the top of the AFC with the way Buffalo-Miami can play. I put Jalen Waddle in this week's fantasy football stock watch video here on FantasyAlarm.com thinking as well that, yeah, it might be obvious or at some point a team is going to stop Waddle. But don't you think, John, that the defensive prioritization, at least for the next number of weeks, is still going to go to Tyreek Hill over Waddle? I mean, I think both teams have to really really have their hands full with both, right? I mean, these are two legitimate star-wide receivers in the league. Jalen Waddle had a tremendous rookie season. He's off to an unbelievable start to year two. And Tyreek Hill has been, obviously, 190 yards and two scores last week. Shows you what he's certainly capable of. So defenses can't really focus in on one guy because the other one's just going to burn them if they do that. Uh, and even Mike Kosicki got involved a little bit last week as well, which is uh, a big development, I think, for fantasy managers there. Uh, if Tua really starts opening up this passing attack uh, and they kind of let him go, you know, Reem Moster took over as the, as the lead back last week. We'll see if that happens again against Buffalo. Tough spot for running backs in this game overall. Uh, neither team, I don't think, is going to have much success running the football, but uh, that's a development I want to see as well. Does Moster lead the backfield again two weeks in a row? Yo, that would be scary for those Chase Edmonds investors right there. I thought it from the receiving end he was going to have a big game last week. Not, did not happen. Detroit and Minnesota, another game that I'm very into to see what the points are going to be looking like from both teams. Detroit showing especially how much they can score on the offensive end, but they can give up a lot 
as well, John. So when it comes to this game, what are your thoughts on Dalvin Cook, dude? We're going to have a little bit of a bounce back from him, see him utilized a little bit more? You know, I thought that he would be able to have a really interesting matchup here where his last two weeks haven't been great. Uh, and, and now he's facing a Detroit team that has obviously struggled against the run. Uh, you know, we saw uh, in week one, they allowed rushing touchdowns to all three uh, Eagles running backs. Uh, last week, they were kind of playing from ahead, so they didn't really have to deal with too much of the running game there, but they got burned more so uh, from the running backs catching the football. You know, uh, J.D. McKissick had seven catches in that game. Dalvin Cook, you know, is an interesting, is an, is an almost in a make or break spot for me. Uh, and Howard Bender brought it up. You know, he does the offensive coaching system article in our draft guide. You know, Kevin O'Connell coming over and changing the scheme, their blocking scheme on running plays. They went from a zone blocking scheme to now what he calls a power blocking scheme. And, you know, if that now shifts sort of how Dalvin Cook is expected to play, instead of finding these like one cut holes, they're just asking him basically to run between the tackles. You know, maybe that's going to, you know, limit some of the explosiveness that Dalvin has. So this is definitely a big game I want to watch. But uh, I think real so this is a story for Kirk Cousins, Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen. Uh, Detroit secondary is stopping absolutely nobody through two weeks. Uh, big bounce back performance for Minnesota. I think we're expecting here. And if you need a tight end off the waiver wire, you go Irv Smith. Yeah. I don't know if he's still – it probably is too late at this point here, dude. I don't see how he's still available in leagues, especially with what we've seen from the tight end spot. We saw Logan Thomas get in the end zone last week. We're seeing Irv Smith, who's coming off a game where he was targeted eight times, and he got in the end zone. He should have had two. If you remember, he dropped that wide open pass down the middle of the field that would have gone for like a 50-yard touchdown. I'm still willing to forgive him and put him in there, especially if I had him in any of those leagues with Cole Komet, John. Cole Komet, I can't get over it. Zero points. Yeah, I know. It's tough. You know, again, this is a week. Again, this is a make or break it week for Chicago. If they go out there and they throw 11 times again, and Mooney, Mooney has one catch for negative four yards and Cole Komet has zero, <laughs> uh, you know, fire to the whole coach, start over. Oh, this is it. This is it for Cole Komet for me. This is it. I'm telling you that much. Let's move on to the Patriots and Ravens game. This one had an interesting total, 43 and a half here. You know the Patriots quite well there, J.I. They're a little bit banged up there, but what are your thoughts regarding Stevenson versus Harris? At this point, flip a coin. Who do you think this game is going to feature more of? I think it was pretty telling last week that Damian Harris was the lead back. And you know what? Uh, maybe, you know, maybe, here's the problem, right? I'll, I'll admit that maybe I'm wrong on, on how I thought this rotation was going to go out, but I feel also misled by all the reports coming out of training camp. You know, these, these reporters and coach speak, man, it, sometimes they get you where it felt like Ramondre Stevenson was going to be the guy at some point during the season. But through the first couple of weeks, Damian Harris was obviously the guy last week. Damian Harris ran down the clock, had the bigger day. Uh, you know, Stevenson had a little bit of that pass catching role, but not too much of it. I don't really know if New England's going to run the ball successfully against Baltimore. That's certainly going to be their strategy is to try to run, grind down the grind down the defense and hit some big plays when they can, uh, throwing the football. But the bigger problem is nobody in New England and their receivers ever really get open. Uh, Mac Jones commented after that game against Pittsburgh about you know the coaching staff basically imploring them now, if you see a receiver in a one-on-one matchup, make the 50-50 throw, right? You know, they, they, you, know you see Nelson Aguilar down the field with one-on-one coverage, Throw it down there. See if he makes a play. More often than not, those passes go incomplete than, than intercepted. So, you know, they're willing to take those shots now. 
downfield, which could either lead to more big plays for New England or more more turnovers in, a, in an offense that doesn't score. So uh, at least for last week, Aguilar had a 44-yard touchdown. Aguilar caught all six targets that he had last week. So, you know, Nelson Aguilar may be a sneaky play this week on the waiver wires if you're looking just for a stash guy. Uh, if he comes out of this game with another high target share and another big play, uh, at least you already have him on your roster and you don't have to pay any fab money for him next week uh, when everybody's going to be looking at him. Yeah, we got the report on Wednesday about Jacoby Myers getting his knee checked out. So we're going to have to see if that's the case. Here's the thing with Stevenson, John. I can't forget about this. When the Ravens played the Jets in week one, you saw both Michael Carter and Brees Hall have success in the, the air against them and i'm wondering if this could be one of those games where stevenson and even harris both of them catching a few passes along the way yeah i agree with you i think it'll be interesting to see how they utilize the running backs in passing game uh and, and what their what their plan is you know at the end of last week they started using little jordan humphrey more in these three wide receiver sets uh little jordan humphrey isn't little he's 6'4 230 <laughs> pounds he basically is a tight end that they play at wide receiver uh if you remember there you know i had kind of an ongoing joke but Nikhil harry last season uh, graded out as one of the best run blocking wide receivers in football. Uh, and the Patriots started using Harry as sort of this like split tight end, but as a wide receiver. And he was crashing down on the corners and basically decleating linemen and linebackers who weren't expecting him to come crash down on the block side. They started using Jordan Humphrey like that uh, last week against Pittsburgh as well, having him out in these three wide receiver sets. The, the, the defenses were out there in nickel because they had an extra wide receiver on the field and the Patriots had success running against that set because the team couldn't just leave Jordan Humphrey uncovered with the linebacker because he'd burned them. And he started blocking down and setting, creating more success in the running game. Little Jordan Humphrey could have a role as a blocker on this offense and maybe the running game will find more success there. They, we will see about that. And again, that's why I thought Chase Edmonds would have more success yeah. in get, catching passes and getting yardage out there. Baltimore because, will be interesting with J.K. Dobbins. Does he play this week? That's the question. Do, if, but even if he does play, how do you? You're not starting him from a fantasy standpoint. Yeah, how do you expect him to get a full workload? No, but if he starts, at least you know you're like closer to him getting a full workload. I'm right? telling you, man. They have said these reports that I kept seeing throughout the summer. I know they're just reports and they could be popcorn headlines, but still saw a lot of them that the Ravens wanted to bring Dobbins on slowly. He might not be getting a full workload for another three, four weeks. If he comes back this, he's got to get on the field first to start that clock though. So that's what I, that's what I need to see. I need to get, see him active. Even if he gets five carries this week, Maybe he gets seven to eight. Maybe he gets ten next week. Like I need, we need him on the field fence. We need him. We need that clock to start. I, it has to start, but just be wary of starting him at least this week. Too risky at this point. Yep. And it, it's one of those things. If he ends up scoring but only gets a few carries, well, you deal with that because it's a very risky start at least this week. Jets Bengals. The Jets pulled off a miracle against Cleveland in the final couple of minutes. There scored a couple of times. Now I don't want to say that they're going to do this again against the Bengals, John. But Dallas has a darn good defense, and they were able to hold Cincinnati down here. How are you feeling about the Bengals? You think there's going to be a bounce back against those very quote threatening Jets? Uh, Joe Burrow's on pace to be sacked like a hundred times this season. Uh, that's certainly a concern because they invested in the offensive line in the offseason, and that obviously uh, so far hasn't paid off. But yes, this is the Jets' defense. I'm expecting Cincinnati to, you know, have success here, obviously, right? I mean, uh, this is a team, the Jets, that last week allowed three rushing touchdowns to Nick Chubb. Uh, yeah, I would think that Joe Mixon could have a lot of success on the ground here uh, this week. You know, with the Jets defense being having to focus so heavily on 
uh, Higgins and Chase. So I would expect the Cincinnati bounce back here, but they're obviously off to a tough start, losing to Pittsburgh, losing to Dallas with Cooper Rush at quarterback, uh, Noah Brown lighting them up. Jet side of things, listen, Flacco attempted 56 pass attempts in right. week one. He threw for over 300 yards in week two. Garrett Wilson looked tremendous there, uh, you know, in week two as well, proving why he was the number two receiver off the board during the draft this year. Uh, you know what? Listen, I said I liked how the Jets were sort of rebuilding their team. If they get a home win against Cincinnati here, even as bad as Cincinnati isn't playing, you know, do you, do you even go back to Zach Wilson when he's healthy? I mean, if Joe Flacco has you two and one, do you play Zach Wilson next week? He's your future, man. You got to bring him back. Joe Flacco is very good to have on the field, but you, you got to let Wilson grow as a quarterback. You can't just hide him. Then, you, then you're dealing with the situation like with what happened in Miami. Remember Fitzpatrick versus Tua? Yeah, well, you they have to decide. Do you want to win? They put Tua in, then they went back to Fitz. You have to decide. Do you want to win football games or do you want to develop your quarterback? That is your... That is where you're sitting at right now. Zach Wilson oh, last Jets, year did. The Jets put in a number two overall investment. I know, but he Zach didn't Wilson. look ready last year. Some people he were saying he didn't look great man. during the preseason before his injury. I mean, you know, in camp rather, you know, if if Joe Flacco has you two and one and Zach Wilson's ready to come back, you don't want to put Zach Wilson in, have him look horrible, and then have to go back to Joe Flacco. I think you ride out Joe Flacco until he runs out of gas and then you play you play Zach Wilson. Interesting. We'll see if that happens. I, I still think ultimately the organization goes back to Wilson no matter what. But you make good points on that, John. You're winning football games. You got a vet in there. He's throwing a lot. You have a Super Bowl quarterback on your team. Oh, God, stop. He's elite. That, yeah, he's elite. Oh, dude, that was many moons ago. We're almost on the 10-year anniversary of <laughs> Joe Flacco being elite. We're just about at 10 years. Man, brings us back. The Vegas Raiders, they weren't in Vegas 10 years ago. The Vegas Raiders taking on the Tennessee Titans here, and the Titans have looked like trash. Robert Woods, I mean, it's so unbelievable, John, because like you said and you tweeted out there, the promo that prize picks didn't have with the Traylon Burks. 20 and a half. yardage for his <laughs> receiving yards. That's about all the Titans have to look forward to at this point. Uh, Traylon Burks, a PFF, and, and you know, Take what you want out of the PFF player grades. I know those are highly debated, uh, but they said Traylon Burks graded out as like the top rookie receiver from last week, even though Drake London and Garrett Wilson all had big games, you know, like, uh, so again, take that for what it's worth. Uh, but yeah, listen, Traylon Burks only played 43% of the offensive snaps. He's clearly, clearly, clearly the best wide receiver on that football team. Uh, I don't know why he's playing 43% of the snaps. He should be more 70 or 80 uh, you know, if Chris Olave can play, you know, 80% of the snaps and Jahan Dotson's playing 100% of the snaps for, uh, for uh, Washington, why isn't, why are we only getting 40% out of Traylon Burks here? My biggest question, Fenty, as bad as Tennessee has been playing this season, this game's only one and a half point spread and it's going down. Like, is, is Vegas this bad? Why, why is this game as close as it is in Vegas when, my perspective is that this should be a, a win, an easy win, for a Devontae Adams, a Josh Jacobs, a Darren Waller, a Derek Carr offense uh, with a pretty decent defense against Tennessee. Yeah, that's what I'm wondering about the defense as well, especially with after what we saw against Arizona last week when they were able to sneak back too. And, you know, maybe Tennessee can put up some points here. But 
they're still going to be just riding the back of Derrick Henry, it seems like, the entire time this game. No matter what, are they going to be able to get it to Woods? Does Woods look fully healthy, man? I tried to make something out of Austin Hooper last week, too. <laughs> it's, you know, it, dude, I, you're right with Burks. I mean, outside of Burks, what else does this team actually you have? You trade A.J. Brown to essentially, for essentially A.J. Burke, uh, Traylon Burks, right? You, you make that trade, you get that draft pick back from the Eagles, you use it on Traylon Burks. This man needs to be playing 70-80% of the offensive snaps. There's no reason not to. He's a big, fast, great hands. He, he made some really tough contested catches, catching bad footballs for last week from Ryan Tannehill against the Buffalo defense. Like, yeah, listen, I hope this week, I haven't checked out prize picks yet. I pray they give us 30 yards again because that was a freebie. No uh, way. No way. I don't, I don't think so either, but I mean, listen, if he's under 40 yards... I'm going over. I'm going over 100%. That, that, that was too free of a of a play last week. Um, yeah, I called it the promo. Prize picks didn't know they were running. <laughs> <laughs> I'll say this. Adam Ronis was on it as well. Yeah, it was too low. Yeah, he played that prop against me in one of our contests that we do. It's unbelievable. You know what else is unbelievable? Devontae Adams getting two receptions last week. Yeah, not When good. I got the over on seven and a half on draft. He did have there. seven targets at least. So, they, you know, they did go to him and he did have a touchdown. But, yeah. I'm disappointed with seven targets. Let me tell you. I'm very disappointed in that. I know he scored. But still, man, we, you think that they're going to be getting this guy the ball more. They should be. 17 targets in week one felt like the right play. Right, exactly. So, and they, that's the thing with Vegas. I felt that their offense, very impressive against the Chargers. He threw for what, 295, Derek Carr, yep. against the Chargers? Yep. Pretty darn good right there. So, 46 and a, it's a 45 and a half total right there, man. It, it, you know that the Raiders can put up the offense. I do. I, I, I think this is a spot. I also think this could be a good spot for Josh Jacobs as well. Yeah, Josh Jacobs hanging in there. At this point here, Washington, Philadelphia, this one is going to be another fun one here, John, especially because the quarterback that you invented, there was nobody else earlier this summer that was a bigger supporter of Jalen Hurts than you, man. And we're just seeing how athletic this guy could be and how much we're loving having him on our fantasy teams. Listen, I, again, I, I'm not trying to like go over the top with a, I was right, but this is kind of the industry we're in, right? Like when you make a call like this and it's working out, you got to kind of let people know like, hey man, you know, for the last six months, I did nothing but tell you to draft Jalen Hurts as much as you possibly can. Right. Uh, and yeah, listen, it's, pay it's paying off big time. And now he's got another really great matchup uh, this week against Washington. Well, Washington's offense has been scoring a lot of touchdowns because they're always in these shootouts, right? Like their right. defense is so bad. They, they, they had have to take to schedule, up, John. They have to put up all these points. Right. They, I mean, their schedule's been simple at this point. And we saw, I mean, we, we, we saw what the Eagles were able to do last week. Here's the problem, John. Washington's been able to spread the ball around so much here, and you were talking about Dotson before, and I'm even having trouble having full confidence in Dotson going up against the Eagles here. I know he's been getting in the end zone. I feel like I'm going to have to start him in a lot of scenarios, but – even for those that had Gibson coming off of week one, 
maybe forgot that they also retained J.D. McKissick for a reason, and we saw him catch passes. So that is also not a guarantee when it comes to any kind of ceiling for Gibson. Yeah, kind of interesting because obviously in week one against Jacksonville, uh, McKissick only had the three targets there. Uh, and Gibson was the one that had eight targets, seven catches. We're like, all right, finally, they're going to throw to Antonio Gibson. This is great. Uh, and then in week two, they were trailing for a lot of that game. And obviously they lost uh, as well. But I think because they were trailing, they weren't really playing from ahead as much. You know, in Jacksonville, it was kind of a competitive game. Because they were trailing, J.D. McKissick was on the field more. Seven catches for him, 54 yards. Listen, I agree with you. This secondary and this defense in Philadelphia is pretty good. In week one, though, they had a hell of a time. They, they really struggled against uh, Amon Ross St. Brown, DJ Chark. Like, uh, Detroit was able to put points up on them. Some For some reason, they were able to shut down Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen. <laughs> but the way Washington's offense is, like, like if you cut shut down uh, uh, Terry McLaurin, Curtis Samuel's cutting you up, much like Amon Ross St. Brown's been cutting up teams right, right now, right? And then they have Jahan Dotson, a first-round pick, by the way, uh, who's got three touchdowns through the first two weeks. Logan Thomas has come back looking healthy, scoring a touchdown last week. Washington has a lot of ways to beat you. So, yeah, sure, Darius Slay can shut down Terry McLaurin all he wants. You know, and they, and they can have guys, you know, um, uh, Bradbury, I think it is, right, is the other cornerback uh, in Philadelphia. Sure, go take down Curtis Samuel or go take down Jahan Dotson. Like, there's more guys they have to cover in Washington. So this one, I think, is going to be a high-scoring game. Uh, but I, I'm in on Hurts. He doesn't have to beat you through the air if he doesn't have to. You know, 11 carries, 57 yards, two scores last week. 17 carries, 90 scores, and a touchdown in week one. Uh, last week, everything just came together. 333 yards passing as well for 37 fantasy points. But, yeah, if you, you know, Jalen Hurts, I think, is going to be the highest roster quarterback in DFS this week. In fantasy, if you're lucky enough to have him because you listen to me, you know, another 25-plus fantasy points should be heading your way. What about Miles Sanders? I mean, we saw him at least in week number two. We saw him get the volume there. I mean, he was able to score in week number one here, but still 17 for 80. Are you impressed with what you've seen considering that Sanders told all of us fantasy players, do not draft me? I've always been a big Miles Sanders fan. Uh, he was always on my rosters, you know, the last year, the year before that. Injuries felled him. Uh, and then last season, he just couldn't find the end zone, right? But he's a guy that for his career – averages over five and a half yards per carry for his career. He's just, he, he, that is the type of running back that he is in the, you know, in this, in this offense. And yes, they're finally giving him the volume. He even found the end zone in week one. If this is what we're going to be getting now out of Miles Sanders, 13 to 15 carries, 75, 80 yards and, and an opportunity to score. Fantastic. What I love even more is that he's getting some dump offs in the passing game as well. Five catches through two weeks is great. Like that's fine. Put him on that pace. Put him on a three-catch pace for the season. Give him 40, 40 catches. Yeah, add 40 catches into that into that mix for him in PPR. Like, that value is tremendous. See, what you just said about Sanders, about him averaging for his career over five yards per carry, that is why I'm starting to worry a little bit more. I know they're circling back here, but to Chase Edmonds, Raheem Mostert, 5.6 oh, yards yeah. per carry for his career, John. And the familiarity with the McDaniel bit. offense, right? Right, right. Because not only was he the offensive coordinator, he was also the – running game coordinator yep. as well. Yep. So if anybody knows, it's him. And there's a reason Mostert is there right now. Let's talk about the Jaguars and the Chargers. This total is sitting there at 47 and a half. What do you think of the Chargers defense being able to hold down the young Jags? Yeah, I think they got this one. You know, Jacksonville having to go on the road. Uh, you know, I don't I don't think they're going to be able to, uh, you know, have that great of a performance here. Uh, you know, last week they were home. 
You know, they shut down a Colts team that didn't really have much going for them. Uh, but, you know, having for them now to travel across country, face the Chargers, a really strong defense. Uh, you know, I, I don't have much hope for Jacksonville in this matchup. You know, the one thing that I think maybe they'll have some success with is running the football uh, a little bit. But I also think they're going to be behind a lot. Now, maybe this is finally the Travis ATN game where Jacksonville's down two scores all game and they need him on the field to catch the football. But... Uh, outside of that, I think this one's going to be a, a pretty easy win for the Chargers. Uh, see what happens with Keenan Allen. Keenan Allen's own words, he's hopeful he'll play Sunday. I put hopeful as a 50-50. So, you know, you're going to be looking at Gerald Everett again. You're going to be looking at Mike Williams again. Everett had 10 targets last week. So, you know, I think those two receivers are the ones to target. Uh, you know, you also have uh, Josh Palmer, of course, as somebody that's going to found the end zone last week. So, But, John, you have a quarterback with injured ribs. He, but he, apparently he's okay, right? He's been at practice. He's been throwing the football. They said he was doing drills. Uh, if you believe Dr. David Chow, they said they'll just give him some sort of injection there right before the game starts, and he'll be fine. I hear you. I can't forget about it, though. After what we saw last week, some of the shots that he took, but yeah, hey, well, what, I don't think I don't think Jacksonville's defense is going to get to him the no, way that. Uh, no. But we'll see, right? Yes, yes, we will. But hey, we you know who we've been seeing a lot of James Robinson, Doug Peterson's comments from the summer paying off a little bit. Yeah, listen, I, I said to you, we, we talked about our alarm after hours, right? Listen, when yep. the, Travis Etienne, Doug Peterson talked to him about a guy that can do many things. I said that many didn't have a consistent role in this offense. He can, oh, he can play wide receiver. He can run the ball a little bit. And all that's translated to is a handful of carries and a handful of targets each game. Robinson's the guy that's getting all the work, getting some of the red zone work there as well, even being thrown to a bit. So he's definitely the number one running back. You have Etienne as sort of that change of pace, hybrid player, but uh, I'm with you there. Robinson should be in a good spot. Chargers run defense in the last couple of years hasn't been great. Rams taking on the Cardinals here. We'll have to see how the Cardinals do if they're going to be giving up a lot of points to the L.A. Rams here. What are your thoughts about this game with the 48-and-a-half total? Interesting, man. Part of me is still thinking maybe the over in this game, both teams showing the capability to score a lot of points here. What say you? Yeah, I'm a little bit surprised it's only three-and-a-half point spread, uh, and it's actually going down. Arizona was getting four. Now it's three-and-a-half. Uh, you know, Arizona's been trailing in all these games, right? And last week they pulled off the comeback win against against the Raiders. Uh, they lost in week one. Uh, I know the Rams got blown out by Buffalo in week one, but they looked pretty good last week. I think they just let the, the, the foot off the pedal against Atlanta and allowed them to sort of make a little bit of a comeback there. But uh, I don't see that happening in a divisional matchup here. Cooper Cup's still going out there, putting up all-world numbers. Allen Robinson found the end zone last week. He should have had two. Um, you know, the, the, uh, the replay booth up there, you know, blew a whistle because of a player needing to go on the sidelines for like a concussion protocol or whatever. Um, after the play, basically it already played through. So it should have been two scores for Allen Robinson. Uh, cream acres got on the field and looked pretty okay there. So now I think the Rams are going to handle this one pretty easily. Arizona still got Greg Dortch as like their number two guy out there. So uh, unless Rondell Moore can come back, uh, I I'm a little worried about this Arizona team here. How do you feel about Zach Ertz's start to the season? Because as we've talked about, the tight end position has been very hard to trust early on. Yeah, listen, I don't, I don't really know what I like about Ertz in this spot because they may have to ask him to block or they may need to get into different formations here where Ertz isn't as big of a part of the offense because LA's defense is so good. Like, how do you, how do you go ahead and not have extra protection back there? Um, on the line or in the backfield to protect Kyler Murray in this spot. So uh, I worry a little bit about Ertz in this one, but you're right. He did have a good target share in week two. 
you know, James Conner with his ankle, by the way, all signs point to him playing. Yeah. So just keep your always keep your eyes open because you never know what happens. Gabe Davis last week injured himself on a Saturday, shook our worlds, had to make big decisions with a Monday night player. So just always have your eyes open and don't take your foot off that gas pedal. Let's talk about the Falcons taking on the Seahawks. Another one of, should be a very slow paced game here. But what are your thoughts about Kyle Pitts, man? Because we know that Seattle can surrender a decent amount to the tight end here, but still it just doesn't seem like Mariota and Pitts are on the same page, unlike him and Drake London. I'm going to say this right now. I am going to be playing a Atlanta stack this week with Mariota, Pitts, and London. Uh, I think that this, after after Arthur Smith's, Smith's moronic comments regarding <laughs> Kyle Pitts, where, where a reporter's like, What's going on with the lack of Kyle Pitts usage? Why are you keeping him the block? And he's like, this isn't fantasy football. We're trying to win football games. It's like, Arthur, you're 0-2. You're not winning football games with this plan, right? Like, you know, you have to you have to use Kyle Pitts. Now, Kyle Pitts had seven targets in week one, so they didn't you know, completely ignore him. Uh, and I understand that, again, going up against the Rams, you needed some of that extra protection. So you had Kyle Pitts blocking. Seattle should not be posing that similar type of pass rush. There's no Jamal Adams in the in the secondary for them, who's usually a guy that covers the tight ends really well. This needs to be a week where they unload Kyle Pitts. Uh, if you're playing DFS, he's a pretty cheap option on DraftKings this week, only $4,800. It's $1,000 cheaper than he was priced previously. Uh, I think you have to... I think, I think this is a good spot for Atlanta this week, even though it's going to be on the road. Uh, I, I, I like a lot of this offense here. Cordell Patterson, Mariota, London, Pitts, all of those guys I think are in for big weeks. Seattle side of things, I don't know what's going to happen. Uh, Lockett <laughs> had a big week last week. Uh, you know, Metcalf we know is capable of, of having uh, big production. They're going to be up and down, John, yep. both Lockett and Metcalf. That's just that's the price you pay when you invest in these guys. Yeah, the running situation will be interesting to watch. Does Kenneth Walker continue to cut in? Does Rashard Penny be the lead guy here? That's something you need to pay attention to this week. Yeah, good luck with that, though, when it comes to the Seattle pass catchers. Yikes. Let's talk Packers and the Buccaneers here. This would normally be a game that you'd be jazzed up for. It's funny, though, with the total being 41 and a half after. How about this, John? Opening at 47 and a half, a noticeable drop here for this game. And I think a lot of it stems from what are we going to see from the Buccaneers offense now needing to rely on players potentially like Cole Beasley because of suspensions and other receivers being banged up and him not having the protection that he's used to having. Yeah. And, and not only that, it's like, I don't know where the focus of Tom Brady is right now. Right. He's, he's maybe going through a divorce, maybe going through a separation at home. Uh, you know, he's taking Wednesdays off now to like go home, you know, like, what is that about? <laughs> you know, like, um, you know, there, yeah, I don't know where the focus is. Mike Evans is suspended. Godwin's still out. Julio's, you know, going to be a game time decision again. Yeah, I'm not really buying into anybody here on Tampa Bay's passing offense. Their offensive line is beat up. This is a good spot for Leonard Fournette. We just saw David Montgomery, obviously, uh, have a lot of success last week, uh, you know, running the football uh, against Green Bay. They are home as well, which I think plays the Tampa Bay a little advantage a little bit here also. But, yeah, not, not great looks for the Tampa Bay side. Green Bay side, I mean, last week it was the running backs that did all the damage, but you can't really run the football against Tampa Bay. So right. uh, I'm, I don't really know where the points are going to come in this one. Maybe that's why we've seen a total drop six points uh, in terms of the game spread here. Well, can't you think that the Packers could throw to both Dylan and Jones? I mean, certainly they're going to throw to Jones a lot. That That's really, I mean, he that's what he's known for 
But what about Dylan as well? Again, someone last year who did catch a few passes. Why not play the short game against them and just utilize both out of the passing attack? Yeah, I think it's an interesting uh, opportunity to use both. Again, Jones had the big game receiving last week. Um, you know, so it's possible that you just utilize those, but you can only get away. I feel like throwing out to the flat to your running back. So, so much, right. Eventually you have to throw downfield. Maybe uh Lazard gets more looks downfield. And now that he's had that one week, uh, you know, back on the, on the playing field. So we'll see how that plays out. But again, not a great matchup for them. Yeah. And here's the thing with the Packers receivers. He's I mean, Aaron Rodgers going to be spreading the ball around as well. Hard to figure out who to trust when we saw Sammy Watkins come through last week. Exactly. And it wasn't even week one. Yep, I agree. Yep. Let's go to San Francisco and Denver. You take the weather away with San Francisco, then you see a little bit better. However, different quarterback situation than what we thought we'd have at this point. No more Trey Lance. Now Jimmy Garoppolo back in the saddle there. And here's the more interesting thing, John. Will we see Russell Wilson and Coach Hackett find a way to show that this team can do some damage because they as well have had some banged up players. Yeah. I mean, I would like to know what's going to go on with Jerry Judy, obviously uh, dealing with the rib shoulder chest, whatever injury they keep on sort of changing it to, uh, and, and see if he's able to get on the field. Cause I think he's a big part of that offense, obviously. Um, you know, Sutton had a big week of, you know, after the fact, but the offensive play calling, the offensive, just the, the, the head coaching decisions has been questionable. Uh, you know, the running back usage there is still somewhat split. I know Javante got a lot of the work last week. Um, but, you know, you, you go ahead and you struggle against a team like Houston. Now you have to go against San Francisco. I, I'm a little worried about the Denver side. The San Francisco side is interesting because Jimmy Garoppolo now being a quarterback, and this is a point that I hammered on the Sunday night show on XM, uh, you know, the, the uh, with uh, Ryan Hallam is the fact that now that Jimmy Garoppolo is a quarterback, it, it kind of sets that offense in place, right? Like you don't have to worry about them running RPOs or when they get in the red zone, you know, Trey Lance ceiling touchdowns, like the running backs are going to get their carries. You know, you can now trust uh, Wilson to get, you know, his 20 carries, 18 carries and, and be a guy that they look to in the red area. You know, that Debo Samuel and Brandon, Ayuk, you can now trust them as the pass catchers a little bit more because Garoppolo is an accurate quarterback. He doesn't throw downfield a ton, but you know, he can put the ball on the receiver and let them make plays. So, you know, last season, Debo Samuel was a 1400 yard receiver with Jimmy Garoppolo quarterback. So, you know, that's a big value up for for Ayuk, big value up for Kittle when he comes back for Debo Samuel in the running game with Jimmy G and the center. Let's talk about the final game here, Monday Night Football, between two NFC East division foes with the Dallas Cowboys with that nice, shocking win against the Bengals. And the New York Giants, too. The Giants with a good, good start to the season for them, John. What are your thoughts about the Cowboys-Giants game here with Dallas's offense here with Cooper Rush still running things here? How do you expect Dallas's offense to fare? And will we see Ezekiel Elliott have a dominant fantasy performance potentially? Listen, all I'm going to say is that Cooper Rush won last year against Minnesota on primetime and then won this week against Cincinnati. So uh, as a starting quarterback, Cooper Rush has actually looked okay. Uh, you know, so you know maybe, maybe it's not going to be as doom and gloom as many people initially thought. Noah Brown looked really good last week. Uh, and I talked about that connection with Howard Bender. You know, during the offseason, during the preseason and training camp, you know, the twos run with the twos, right? And Cooper Rush was the backup quarterback. Noah Brown was like the third wide receiver. Those two guys were the ones basically running offenses together with the with the backup offenses together. 
it's no surprise that as soon as Cooper Rush got in that game against Tampa Bay, he was thrown to Noah Brown. Shouldn't be a surprise that last week with them both starting, Noah Brown goes for 90 yards and a score. So Cooper Rush has, I think, a really good connection here with Noah Brown. Now you're going up against a, a Giants team that's 2-0 and for the first time and who knows how long. They're at home. But that offense didn't look good last week. I, I think they lucked out getting that win. Uh, they'll, we'll need to see some improvement. A 39-and-a-half game total, just a one-point spread. Um, it's going to be a tough showing for Dallas here. I need to see, I, I want to see one thing, and that's a big game from Ezekiel Elliott, or those who drafted him in the third or fourth round could be a little little bit of trouble. Yeah, absolutely. And just seeing Tony Pollard out there, especially as someone who has Zeke, makes me want to hurl. Just like kind of like the Giants pass catchers at this point, not named Sterling Shepard, John. I don't know what's going on with this old regime versus new regime business with the Giants, but it just seems like from how we can put the pieces together that they don't really want as much to do with Kenny Galladay and maybe even Kadarius Tony and Sterling Shepard comes back in and so far over a hundred yards receiving at a score. Well, why play guys that aren't going to play for you, right? right? Kenny Galladay clearly looks like a guy going through the motions. Kadarius Tony tried to demand a trade during the off season. Why put guys in the field that aren't going to work hard and play hard for you? So does that make Sterling Shepard kind of a must, not must flex, but a legitimate flex option here? I I think so. Now, he didn't have a great week two. Uh, He had a really good week one, didn't have a great week two. Uh, Richie James, though, is a guy that back-to-back weeks now uh, has popped, right? He's kind of been that leading receiver for that team. So, you know, maybe Richie James is someone that now needs to be given a little bit more respect. You know, you can only be a slave to the scoreboard, Fenstey. And if the Shepherd scoreboard every week has him. targeted 10 times. That's what I'm saying. If you come out there and every week Richie James is getting five catches for 60 yards or whatever, you, you need to start trusting that this is a guy that Daniel Jones clearly has some sort of connection with. He's out there running and getting open because Jones is throwing to him. You know, now this is a, this is a big test, obviously. Dallas's defense is very good. You know, uh, so this will this will be a tough one, I think, for that offense. But yeah, Shepard and Jones, Richie James, rather, I think, are the two that you need to take a peek at. It was, I think, it was this matchup last season though, where Tony had the big game, was it not? I don't remember that. I it just, I'll say this as someone who has Tony in three to four, in about four leagues, not happy right now. Don't know what to do with the guy. Hard to still figure out whether or not to even drop him. Yeah, I mean. It, it, you, at some point, you do have to give up on the ADP. It, it was last season against Dallas in a 44-20 to 20 loss, by the way. 10 catches, 189 yards in that game. So, uh, who knows? Maybe, maybe he gets on the field and he's the secret weapon against them. But, listen, if you get another week of no production out of Kadarius Tony, forget where you drafted him. ADP doesn't matter anymore. You can't have a guy getting you zeros on your roster. You got to let him go. This is yeah. Allen Robinson all over again. How many people last year held on to Allen Robinson all season long, right? And, yep. and for no reason, you know, cut him early, find a replacement. Yep. Darius Tony also has had some health issues as well that might also be contributing to the lack of production thus far. He's John and Pemba. Give him a follow on Twitter at jmpemba777. You can give me, Justin Fensterman, a follow at Fensy Sports. Find all our work, fantasyalarm.com, especially from the DFS area we are going to help you win your dfs contest for week three john it's been awesome previewing these games with you man yeah fancy love talking to you about some football man let's uh, do it again soon let's crush it this week for everybody out there all the family in there this is the fantasy alarm fantasy football podcast 